Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 35 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the twisted genius, Dean Ayers, joined as ever by sports columnist Liam Happ. Good evening, sir. Good evening to you, too. Are you ready for some more Nitro? Because I am. We're definitely ready for some more Nitro after uh, having 30 minutes plus of pissing around with technology to finally get this to work. Yeah, quite. It was one of those things where everything was how we left it last time, and yet something was yes, it didn't. One of those, and anyone who's mediocre at best with technology, like I am, will will sympathise with that, and that's exactly what we've had for the last 20, 25 minutes. But we figured it out, the solution was something we're not actually accustomed to, so I don't know how long it will last. But it will last for this session, don't you worry. Yeah. And we've been and, looking uh, forward to this one. Yeah, and the reason for the technical technical uh, problems was, of course, fucking bullshit. Yeah, that's like a catch-all. Every technological problem is down to fucking bullshit. The technological yeah. god who uh, makes sure things go wrong is called fucking bullshit, yeah. and he's an asshole. It's um, it's the same. Uh, it's the same reason why I lose at FIFA. Oh, don't, don't start. I'm so. Uh, I don't know how many of our listeners even care about FIFA, but I've been giving Ultimate Team a serious go for the first time ever. I, d- I dabbled trying to build sides I like with players I like with the special editions and that for a few years. And slowly but surely, I was getting more the hang of it and getting more into it. But this is what I call my first uh, serious go at it. And Weekend League, which is like the, the the end game of your day-to-day stuff you do in this game, that's the big competition with all the big prizes, right? is just an absolute joke. It, I don't know if you're familiar with the term sweaty, or at least in video game parlance, Dean, but you, you, no. find, you find yourself, it's almost like you've got a second job. And it's a second job, as you alluded to at the very start of this weird segue. Um, it's it's a second job full of fucking bullshit. So well, I'll be that, going back to career mode next year, basically. Yeah, that's um, that's the phrase of the day. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to because WCW. Now choke on that. Right. Okay. Well, it, we are we are ready for. Uh, this nitro watch along so if you do want to join in with us then uh, we have got uh, episode number 10 of wcw monday nitro that was originally aired on november the 6th 1995 we have got it all queued up to zero and ready to go we're awaiting the burning buildings if you wish to join in along with us um so last week we had not that great a nitro the one straight after halloween havoc 95 but on paper, this one looks like it'd be a lot better. Yeah, and the last two have been not good. We we try and operate a pass foul, and we've I think those of you who've listened to these watch alongs before know we 
we're not trying to foul anything that doesn't have like three, four, five star matches per se. We just want a good, breezy, enjoyable hour of television. Something that doesn't make us question why we are doing this project. Something that's... I would maybe even use, and I've probably used this before, maybe the, the current day Raw Scout. If we are glad we're watching this and not the current day Raw, then it's better. If it's as if it's comparable to or worse than the current Raw, and most wrestling fans know at the moment it's complete and utter dredge, uh, it has to be a foul. That's all we want. It's just a good hour of TV. And maybe we'll tweak the scale a little bit when we get to the two-hour era. But that's not for a while. So we just want a good 45-minute good burst. No adverts on this. Good 45 minutes and we're laughing. Indeed. Right, are you ready? I've got it here, yep. Right, I am ready. I am on zero zero zero. You're on zero zero zero. So in three, two, one, press play. And here come the burning buildings. Mine come just. I might be slightly behind you, but I'm a, I'm a roll with it. I got oh. I, I I got the uh, the vicious I've circle got... of loading a, a lot oh, longer. But I'm that's just... okay. Okay. Um, I am just going into, there we are. We're in the arena now. Um, we are, we're in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm about three seconds behind, but that's fine. Do you want me to pause for a moment? Yeah, or... Let's roll with this. In fact, it might even help us. If one's a little further ahead, we might not talk over each other as much, but it's a first time for everything. What's the dog wearing this week? Um, oh, Jesus, he's wearing... Is that inspired by Randy Savage's ring jackets? It could very well be. Bischoff put it perfectly. What's up with that man? Heenan looks perplexed. Ah, now this is interactive. <laughs> yeah. So this is, you call, uh, you call the Mean Gene hotline to get yourself... Uh, to, choo- to choose the main event. Yeah, gotcha. Hotline. Hotline. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, here we go. You can have Ric Flair, Meng, Diamond Dallas Page, Blue Bloods. Oh, um, they've changed it now. The Red and Blue Locker Room or the Heels and Baby Faces. Yeah. It's basically Ric Flair and a bunch of scrubs versus Sting and a bunch of scrubs. You pick one. I wonder who they'll pick. After yeah, promoting I... the feud and the turn eight days prior. See, I would have just gone for, like, Ric Flair v. Mr. JL just to fuck with them. But... You would have, but it would go the same way as my spoiled ballot votes at the uh, at the polling office. Yeah. <laughs> for my amusement only. So we've uh, just seen how Lex Luger turned heel and um, torture-racking Randy Savage last week. Yeah, it was it was a confusing hill turn. Wasn't massively addressed in the promo last week, but the upshot is 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 Lugas Hill. Deal with it. Our mate Dave Penz is there in the background waiting for his cue. Friend of the podcast. Yes, we Here are we contractually go. obliged to say that. Bischoff is bed- particularly up for this episode. Yeah. The venue still looks rather small compared to like the venues we're used to these days. 
So massive, massive WCW production first off. Do you remember in that Dave Penzer episode when we asked him about that common thing where his mic would mm. be hard to pick up on TV, but was mostly yeah. designed for in the arena? That happened, and you could hardly hear him. Secondly, Dungeon of Doom music hit. It's not Dungeon of Doom come out. It's Cobra, whose theme tune is... Morse, Morse code. code. So that I'm assuming I, yeah, our next guest is going to pick this, right? As they're... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not even like when they did Scott Steiner's theme tune, Big Pop a Pop theme, where they had just a police siren, but they had the, the decency to put a drum beat under it. They did blend it into a sort of a tune. But even saying that, you noticed everywhere he went, WWE Impact, they liked that for him. They associated Sirens as his theme, but it's almost mm. like progressively everyone tried to add more music to it to, 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 so that it wasn't just fucking Sirens. Yeah. Up, to up-produce it. Right, here comes the giant with the WCW belt around his waist, which fits around his waist because he hasn't put on a shitload of weight. So we've got the giant against some bloke we've never ever seen before in our lives. Oh, he's picking up Dave Penzer. You leave our mate Penzer alone. Leave Penzer alone. He's our mate. He's the... been forced to say that it's a WWE world title match. Because Giant stole the belt. To be fair, Paul White, mate, you are welcome to become a friend of the podcast. Just pick up the phone. Secondly... <laughs> I've got a funny feeling we're going to find out either next week or maybe even this week that you could consider this a title match. If I remember correctly, the whole idea of them taking the belt was that Jimmy Hart actually doctored the... Oh, he's just chokeslammed him straight off the bat. I'll get into that after. He's pinned him. (laughs) That's it. So Quicker than a Liam Happ sentence. Ten seconds or something. The only move... Shades of 911 in ECW. And Jimmy Hart's delighted. What a title defence. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Hart with the giant looks right. It was definitely the right move to switch him over. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Jimmy Hart's tiny. So he, well, he's not tiny, but he's small. So he makes the giant look even bigger. So here we go. Oh, I say it's Scott, Scott Norton. Shark, DDP, before he was really a big deal, Big Bubba Rogers and Ric Flair. So, so yeah, it's it's interactive, but as you say, blindingly obvious who's going to get picked. Oh, the Blue Bloods as well. Bobby eating, drinking tea. Norton and Shark are standing character. They're not friends. Oh, of course they're not, they are they? They have to change together. Oh, they've actually started fighting. <laughs> We've got JL, Nasty Boys, Duggan, Johnny Be Bad, Alex Wright, Sting, and someone else who's behind. I can't make out who that is, who's uh, Sags is in the way. Oh, the quality is very poor. Is it, are you getting that as well? Yeah, yeah, there's some funny line that went through. Oh, Dave Sullivan, isn't it, the other one? Not, not all of the tapes made it through to the WWF headquarters perfectly. Johnny B. Bad's a TV champ at this time. It's not an easy belt to keep up with. It changed frequently, and mm. there were a lot of people like uh, Johnny B. Bad and Arn who held it multiple times. So, oh, and obviously Regal as well. Yeah. Oh, we now we're um, 
we're advertising World War Three, which was the next pay-per-view coming up. Because by this stage, they're doing monthly pay-per-views. And this was, I think this was the first ever one, wasn't it? Where they did, um, yeah, the three-ring pay-per-view. Indeed. To, to his credit, to an extent, Bischoff was always trying to do new things at this point in time. Um, and this was one of the ones that didn't really work. World War Three just didn't work. It was a spectacle, three rings, you know, but, but it didn't actually work. It was hard to follow you. And then you'd eventually get down to the same stage that a regular Battle Royale would. We can actually track it. And surely it would have cost them a bloody fortune having 60 people in it. So there's a man in a turban who's playing a guitar with roses on it. And apparently we're going to hear from Hulk Hogan. Yeah, there he is. That's a shame. I was, I was hoping we'd have a few months away from him. With Macho Man dressed all in black as well. And a hobo. That's a hobo, yeah, right? I'm guessing so. He's still dressing in his... Uh... Edgy black. Yep. What's he saying? I don't know. He's telling Macho Man to stick with him. Yeah. <laughs> Stinky, nasty, wart-infested giant. I can't for the life of me figure out why the edgy Black Hogan didn't pick up. He With needed this... he needed that double injection of cool that was Hall and Nash, didn't he? Why the why talking about the nasty, stinky giant didn't catch on? Yeah. As we said a few weeks ago, he essentially was the same Hulk Hogan, but he wore black and yeah. he threw in a few bits of shade towards other baby faces. Oh, and he burned a Wrestling Observer newsletter. Yes, that's right. Is that Captain Lou? No. <laughs> no. If Captain Lou was like no. younger and homeless. <laughs> or just younger. <laughs> the hobo's telling them they're nuts. He's doing... Do you know that guy who, who goes on stage with a rap artist and and repeats some of the words at the end of sentences and talks yeah. over them a little bit? He's doing that. He's so, the best performer in this promo. Yeah. So maybe Hulk Hogan is contemporary. He's got he's got a rap sidekick. Yeah. But it'll be Macho who had the rap album. Turban guitarist playing the set. That was a weird, mandatory keep Hogan featured on TV segment. When Poochie isn't on screen, everyone's talking about Poochie. That's right. Golden rule. And uh, Dungeons in music, and here comes Kevin Sullivan. And who, I, love, uh, I love Hart just coming out for consecutive matches, because that's, that's where his breadline is. Yeah. Kevin Sullivan, who was being referred to as a midget by ECW at this point in time. <laughs> cutting promos on the uh, woman. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, unless he's dressed as an old woman or a Baywatch extra, I'm just, I've got no respect for him. No. Here's Renegade. Jesus Christ. Oh, Running straight. Oh, my God. Worst clothesline ever. I thought you said this was a good episode. Yeah. You had my hopes up for this one. Why why can't why can't Sullivan take a bump off a clothesline properly? Are they that bad or he's leaping over 
Oh, I thought he was going to leap on top of him. He just leaps over the ropes to the floor. It does remind me of the Justin Richards episode. Was it Slambury 95 where we discussed yep. anticipating a clothesline, which arm, which angle? That was a good clothesline from Sullivan. Yeah, notice how the proper pro wrestler gives a good clothesline. And plus, another one. Plus, in Renegade's defence, it might be easy to take when your back's to it because then it's a, it's a one-man job and not a two-man mm. synchronisation. So, obviously, Renegade was their, their, their sort of ultimate warrior rip-off, wasn't it? Flagrantly so, yes. Similar music, similar gear, similar hair, everything. Yeah, the music he came out to was a warrior rip-off. Although, for a moment, I thought someone was using Sting's old theme. Like the, oh, like the yeah. 1991, there's definitely a similarity there. Oh, there's always been a similarity. I thought it was a bit of a coincidence, because obviously they started out together. Hmm. No, I'm, I'm sure you're right, but it, it, it really did sound a little bit... I suppose if, it's, if they're both modelled after the same thing and they're both produced by the same uh, studio, then that's going to happen. But... Yeah. So, um... Sullivan is now taken over on Renegade. This looking a bit one-sided. So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, this is uh, putting Renegade in a, with a safe pair of hands who can carry a match with him for a, a short period of time. So I've just got a great example of why it does take the WWE Network a little while sometimes to get these episodes up because they seamlessly cut out uh, an advert break where you got the action fluidly, no snippeties, but mm. the audio clearly was, oh, we'll be back after break. Welcome back from the break. So they've got to fiddle around with the uh, the visual and audio tracks to do that, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, he's going for a handspring elbow into the corner. That looked pretty good. Credit where it's due. That's oh. very much China syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. Lou- lousy wrestlers generally have one or two very good choreographed things that they can do. Tom McGee, we'll go back to that that example yep. we we're talking about. You know, he could do his backflips, which were a big thing in the 80s. And obviously, wrestling comes down to a lot more nuance than that. And hopefully, yep. one and day in the near future, we'll have a guest who can <laughs> go into depth on that. Yeah, so Sullivan, Sullivan wins with a foot stomp, a simple foot stomp. And now, Hart's in the ring with a busting water cup. in his face. Ah, hold up. So this is this is symbolic. They're actually all you are is plain old Rick. Yeah. yeah. He's wiped the face, threw water in his face, and wiped the paint off. And yeah, as you said, Liam, this is very symbolic. This is the end of the Renegade character. Well, yeah, it's the end of the Warrior ripoff part, and I think that's why Hart's saying the things he's saying. So, because um, I do remember for, in future Nitros, maybe as, as late as 97, 98, Renegade would appear. He'd be called Renegade. He uh, would come out to Mark Merrow's music, Marvelous Mark Merrow, and he, but he'd just be like dressed normally. So he'd still be about to an extent. Oh, we're back in the heel dressing room and uh, Shark and Scott Norton are, are still fighting, and now the lights have gone off. Oh, the lights gone. 
<laughs> me and Gene like a pro trying to sell it as sabotage. Lights are back. Flair mentions it in his promo. <laughs> He's taking responsibility for the lights. Yep. Oh, man, Dean, I, I don't think we're going to have time on this Nitro for all the wrestlers to cut promos on all their potential opponents. Oh, no, wait, of course. They're just going to cut the promo for the one match because this is fucking rigged. But don't forget, as Mean Gene has told us to ring the hotline. But did you it, know? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be rigged because you can't... If you are charging people to vote you have to release the legitimate vote but what they have done as you've said before is they are making it blindingly obvious which match they want and they're influencing people to vote for flair v sting you're right then but i stand my original statement it's it's rigged but they've done it in a way that's legal but it's still rigged it's heavily weighted oh yeah um and the funny part about that is that 10 years later when wwe invented interactive shows. <laughs> um, Cyber Sunday, Taboo Tuesday. Ric Flair at Taboo Tuesday 2005, I want to say. He just had Triple H turn on him. They're having a grudge match where you can pick the match stipulation and they had him come out to the ring and demand a steel cage match. Just to make sure that's where the fans voted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Chris Benoit, the man who doesn't exist on the WWE history anymore, is here. What are you talking and, about? This is Stevie Richards. <laughs> and, uh, of course, his opponent, because we'll recognise that music anywhere, is um, is Eddie Guerrero. So this will be awful. Well, we'll see how long they get. Uh, if I remember correctly, these two have had a one-on-one match on Nitro already several weeks ago, right? Was it those two or was it Milenko and Guerrero? I can't remember now. I feel like there was a Benoit Guerrero. You In... you keep talking while I look this up. It's doing okay. my head. <laughs> Eddie Guerrero's getting a good reaction from the crowd as well. I mean, we saw him against Craig Pittman last week, but each week, each week on Nitro, he's definitely getting a better reaction. Benoit's starting off fast though. We discussed this last week. Guerrero, is, if, if you tallied up number of matches in his first 10 Nitros, I think Guerrero's up near the top. Mm. Uh, Luger will be high up. Uh, Flair will be high up because Flair's been having matches with Arn Anderson. Yeah, Arn Anderson will be there as well, I guess. I think Guerrero's right up there with him. And if you, if you regularly feature a guy on TV and he's been pretty well protected as well, uh, lo and behold, people get into him. And he's, yeah. as we know, he's a talented babyface. Benoit is uh, just laying in the, the uh, crisp, sharp offense. I mean, we've had a snap suplex and a, a belly-to-back suplex. Really good. Stephen Michael asking people not to try these moves at home. And that goes for you, Stephen Michael. Don't try these moves anywhere. <laughs> you're, you're in a particular anti-Mongo mode today, aren't you? 
Me. Well, there's anything wrong with that. Perish the thought. I'm sure he's a lovely man, but he was just a lousy wrestler. High angle uh, Boston Crab that Chris Jericho would often use as well. Oh, and we've got our uh, New Japan contingent here because um, there's Sonny Ono, Masachono, uh, Jushin Liger's there. They've got the same luxury spread that Ono was having with Heenan last week. Yes, Master Saito. Because they were, at the same time this was going on, they were doing um, one of their massive tapings in um, the Disney Studios, hence this Nitro being in Florida. I think hmm. they taped like 13 weeks of TV in one go. And um, they had a load of the New Japan guys over for those tapings. So, Benoit defeated Guerrero a few weeks ago, October okay. 16th. I think that's three Nitros ago. I could have sworn yeah, he'd have a singles match. Yes. Bloody good match as well. One of the longer ones we've had on Nitro. So, hopefully this one will follow suit. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I remember now. It's like the longest match on Nitro to date. Oh, Eddie's up top. Going to dive over. Wow. Dives over the ring post, over the steps, onto the floor, onto... onto um. Benoit, pop from the crowd. So, aside from a few things, I'm enjoying this episode so far. Mm. Even the crap like Renegade, you can turn around and say, "Well, that's quite a seminal." But we also we had you know we had those, those matches, the giant match, the the Sullivan match. They're they're kept short. They're yeah. kept snappy. You know. I actually enjoyed Sullivan beating up on Renegade. Re- Renegade sold competently. Not to say he was great at it, but he didn't shrug off the moves and Sullivan knows how to kick someone's ass. Mm. Speaking of kicking ass, these two have just not had a breather. Big time uh, superplex flew through the air. So we had the Horseman promo where they hinted at a, a fourth man last week. Retrospect mm-hmm. means we all know who it ended up being, but there's not been any sort of foreshadowing so far. Ben was out here on his own having a singles match. I don't think we're too far away from that, but... The snap on a oh. as Well, I mean, that was something else. Guerrero was one of the few people who could get away with doing that sort of a powerbomb on. There was a few others, but not many. Yeah. He murdered him with that powerbomb. <laughs> Too soon? Yeah, maybe. Fast approaching the 12th anniversary? Jesus Christ, is it really? I know. It's 10, I, I was discovered from looking online today, it's 10 years to go today that Misawa um, died in the ring. That's yes, unbelievable. that's true. Yeah. Of course, if your main means of following wrestling is watching Raw, it feels like only yesterday purely because the show doesn't change <laughs> at all. Same opening segment, same interchangeable hills, same McMahon's on top. Roll up from Guerrero. You're right, this hasn't, the pace, they just haven't let up, have they? No. But the crowd, apart from that dive, 
the crowd are pretty quiet. They just, I mean, I don't know if it's watching like a Japanese audience or just these guys aren't main eventers that they recognise. And so... Yeah, I mean, the, I think the fans have made enough noise to show that they're into this match, but they have finally just just knocked the tempo down a little bit, and it's the spots that are gonna that pop the crowd really. Mm. It always was the likes of of Hogan and Savage who could get that sort of reaction just from just from coming out a hip toss, yeah, just from walking out, walking down the aisle. But I think time proved when when these guys eventually made it up to the top of the card, they they got more sustained engagement from the fans, and that that is what that comes that comes down to, really. Yeah, but that was because they're presented differently. You know, the moment they went to WWE, they were presented as a big deal. You know, they're shown in the front row of the of, of Raw. They were they were made out to be something big. I'd agree. I mean, at this point in late 95, they're not there yet. But as we know, in retrospect, that point came. Yeah. Well, he got the pin, but uh, he's fought under the the ropes. Yeah. So they won one in their their matches, but controversy there. Um, Yeah, there there was a point in, would you say, 98, 99, where they absolutely should have pulled the trigger on guys like this, and they didn't. And that is what led to the Radicals. Well, they pulled the trigger on Benoit in 2000, but it was too late by then. Oh, we'll get into that when we get to that point. But yeah, the, that was not only massively late, but really disingenuous as well. Mm. Vote for the rabbit to win. <laughs> so uh, Tony, Shivani's, Tony Shivani's in the babyface dressing room. And... Um, Uh, oh, and, and Tony's saying how much people are going to want to see Sting v Flair, and Sting's the one doing the promo. So it's 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 not even subtle, is it? No, this is the same as when they do the competitions and they give you a really easy question. Mm. Let's be honest, they're, they're both the best promos in these respective groups, but <laughs> just do the damn grudge match. Mm. Yeah, but there's money spent in the hotline, Liam. Yes, and we know that those W were masters at, at turning a profit. <laughs> Which I'd only do for the first time a, a little while after this. Hey, we've got a Randy Savage Slim Jim ad now. And those jackets always glorious. Uh, the home video cassette of Full Brawl. Yes. Well, uh, it's got Arn and uh, Rick on it, so... <laughs> Not much else. Uh, do you remember home video cassettes? Yeah, I had the best of WCW Full Brawl uh, video cassette. Wasn't terrible. I had no idea such a thing existed. Well, it had it had Flair and Arn on it, but it also had the crappy war games from that same year. It had the eh, all right 1996 war games between WCW and NWO. Mm-hmm. Better better for story than action, really, because it started Crow Sting. 
Uh, and he also had that abysmal 1998 Every Man for Himself War Games, which was somehow uh, even worse than Vince Russo's take on it two years later. And Jimmy, um, Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heenan is at, he, at the broadcast desk drinking sake from his Japanese friends across across the room. But he doesn't have any chocolate cake. And anyone who saw Jim Ross's interview will know what chocolate cake was code for between the two of them. I haven't heard that interview. What was... Uh... Ba- basically, chocolate cake was code for weed. If they needed between... to get chocolate cake. JR and Bobby Heenan. Oh, okay. I, I was not aware of this. Oh, my God. Dean, would you Adam and Eve it? Sting won the, the vote. Did he really? He somehow edged out Jerry Sags and Evad Sullivan's rabbit. And JL. I can't believe it. And Johnny Evad. What are the odds? What are the odds? We shouldn't be looking this in the mouth. I'm sure it's going to be a great match and we've got all the build to it because we've been watching Nitro since episode one. But it's just such an insult to intelligence. And obviously we found out plenty after the fact about the nature of the hotline and where the percentages went. Why isn't Flair wearing his robe? Well, he's only just found out that he somehow won this poll. He was getting ready for the showers. He'd already <laughs> he he'd already wished the shark good luck in his match. Hey, we we could have had another Johnny Me Bad v DDP match, you know. Yeah, I mean, don't worry. I'm sure Nitro will be littered with those in the coming months. <laughs> They've only appeared once or twice each. That's a surprising thing. They've, uh, it did occur to me, like guys like Page and Bad, I thought they'd be on more Nitros early on, but their time will come. Well, not really Bad's because he's gone in six months. But Page's time will come. Flair's done a really lousy job of stalling on the outside and Sting's just dragged him in for an ass kicking. Yep. Backdrop coming up now with the press slam. There you go. And here's another Sorry. aspect that we didn't address. Uh, we know the story between these two and the crowd are popping for everything. Benoit and Guerrero, uh, you know, they they could well be in the middle of building up their feud. They're 1-1 on Nitros, but once the fans see more of their rivalry and if they do the right things, they'll get increasingly larger pops and more sustained pops. Yeah. Flare flop. But there is a sustained level of noise with this crowd already. Yeah, star, star power, storytelling, and action. Because obviously these two are, uh, are off to a fast start, just like Chris and Eddie yeah. were. <laughs> I never get tired of seeing Flair throw a chop. It has no effect on Sting, and he shits his pants. And then begs off. Yeah, it will never get old. Thumb to the eye, and Sting is in charge. Uh, Flair is in charge now. Suplex on the outside, and a strut. Flair's back in the game. Nope, Sting's up again. <laughs> Sting misses a Stinger splash into the guardrail. This is great. This is a lesson in how to do ringside brawling. Just their facials alone. You can't take your eyes off of their, their emotions and expressions. 
and, and I think that's another key difference between they and Benoit Guerrero. And that's not to say in a one's wrong, one's right way. It's just you know one one is far along enough to to have that and one you would like to think we brought to that level obviously spoiler alert WCW didn't bother doing that but <laughs> indeed yeah if you oh, that's a good way of thinking about it by rights so in WCW circa 1999 say we should have been seeing episode 56 of Benoit Guerrero and and them having that sort of intensity and rivalry and history and hopefully facial expressions. We we saw that more from Guerrero in retrospect than Benoit. Well, it's like I remember, I can't remember what year it was now, but there was, in on a SummerSlam, there was um, Triple H against The Rock for the Intercontinental title in a ladder match. Mm. And it was a great match, and you just had everybody watching had the sense of these two will be do, you know, having another match on the pay-per-view for the world title before long, and sure enough, they both got up to that level. You know, yeah. there was a, a natural progression, whereas there wasn't in WCW because the the old guard wanted to keep their spots. What I liked most about that star-making match, it was '98, weren't it? What what stood out to me was that the ladder match stipulation ended up revolving around their rivalry rather than the other way round. And they had like an intense, dramatic, hard-hitting match rather than trying to do typical ladder spots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Classic flair, figure that. four with the ropes. Yeah. His head goes like a jibber-jabber when the referee asks him. <laughs> no! No, see, whenever I was managing someone and we'd do, they'd do that, I would always make sure that I held the rope or was near the rope immediately afterwards. So if the referee saw it moving, I could just say it was me or I could grab the rope to stop it wobbling too much because that would really piss fans off. I remember Heenan once defending it on commentary. I think it was Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall because that's one of them shows I know word for word. I've watched it so many times. Yeah. Uh, where... where Gorilla Monsoon says, what, what do you think was moving the ropes? And he just casually just goes, wind. <laughs> Fans are begging for this reversal and they've got it. Yep. Such a good hope up. spot. Yeah, back up to a vertical base and uh, oh, and Sting's now stopping selling things again. And yeah. Flair looks really pissed off. Like, oh God, not this again. No selling the chops. This is like finding out your favourite band's greatest hits album has been reduced to like 99p or free, <laughs> free listen. Come and help yourself. Enjoy the hits. That's and a then, compliment. I love, I love the way the penny drops and he just begs off again. And like, I'm like, yeah, I can't get bored of watching it. Yeah, I mean, we we'd see these sort of things be from both of these guys against each other and against other people in later years where they wouldn't have the crowd and it just come across as sad but these two are still very much in their primes and yeah the, the rivalry although they've repeated the whole horseman turn on sting fans are invested 
So it was amazing how they managed to successfully revive this feud. Maybe the mm. fans were just happy not to have Hogan versus Dungeon or Doom on top. Yeah. But also it had a storyline that, you know, was easy to understand and made sense to people. Sting raking the eye, a flare raking the eyes of Sting. Just gloriously, flagrantly cheating. And Flair goes running along with a steel chair and referee Pee Wee Anderson snatches it off him and now gets into a shoving match with him. How has Flair never done Panto? <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Apart from he just never sticks to the script. <laughs> that that just, would be half the draw. Go off on a promo. You'd get a different show every night, wouldn't you? Oh, the world has been robbed of Ric Flair and Panto. Maybe it's not too late, but I can't imagine him doing too many transatlantic trips these days. <laughs> this is a long Nitro match. I'm happy yeah. to see it. Can't take your eyes off of it. Feet on the ropes. <laughs> I love that. He he's not even here particularly effective. He, he just punched him down, and then dragged him away from the centre of the ring for the sole purpose. <laughs> Some matches just remind you of what you missed about wrestling, you know. Oh yeah. Bischoff's promising a, a big announcement before the show goes off, and Heenan's triumphantly declaring it's going to be Hogan retiring. <laughs> Uh-oh, Flair's going up top. This can never end well. <laughs> oh, look what's happened. Well, he turned heel and thus lost the ability to hit this move like he was a couple of times against Anson and Pillman. He was, wasn't he? Of mm. course. Yes. That is the that is the formula. Babyface Red nails it. Hill Flair will never hit it. Never. I think if a Hill Rick Flair hit a double axe handle off the top, like the universe would implode. Oh, Sting is manhandling uh, the ref to get him out of the way. Flair's got some brass knucks straight in the pow, straight in the kisser. But he's now, rather than going for the cover, he's doing the strut to celebrate. Now we have a um, an elbow drop. Now we have a cover. Sting kicks out. It's nice to see him elbow dropping something other than his own jacket. This is very true. They've pretty much run a 10 out of 10 template for a Flair Sting match, haven't they? Oh, yeah. And the facials. It's like, you know, anyone wanting to learn heel facials, just watch this. Watch Ric Flair. You can't take your eyes off it, can you? Can can we please have for our picture this week just Ric Flair begging off or Ric Flair with the penny dropping that Sting's not selling? I think that's a fair request, although um, it's going to come to a toss-up between that and uh, Hogan and Savage's Hobo Pal. Oh, that is true, It's It's, yeah. it's going to be a photo finish. Depends on my mood at the time. 
Sting has got the Scorpion Deathlock on. And it's all over. He's submitted Ric Flair. But he's not letting go of the hold because, well, he's pissed off at Ric oh, Flair. Oh, is this going to be the old uh, Bret Hart Lawler finish? That'd actually be the perfect finish, wouldn't it? Because you'd imagine this feud's going to continue a bit. We got a couple of referees ambling into the ring. <laughs> they're, they're not friends of Rick, are they? And um, Bischoff is saying that Lex Luger's coming out, but oh, Lex Lex Luger basically missed his cue because he's just said Lex Luger, Kai can. <laughs> Bischoff just said I can see Bischoff. I can see Lex Luger coming out, and there's no sign of Lex Luger. Say what you see, Bischoff. Golden rule. We got Dave Sullivan, JL, Eddie Guerrero. All the baby faces. This was back in the day before the baby face would twat all his mates for trying to break it up. It was one of the uh, one of the side effects of the glory days of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hacksaw Duggan. Still no sign of Lex Luger, by the way. Oh, Sting has finally broken the hold. It's Jim what did it. Well done, Jim. It was Doug Dellinger. No, I think it was Doug. I think he called him a tough guy and he instantly let go. But yeah, that just puts over Sting being pissed off with, with Flair for what happened previously. I know we've slagged off Dave Sullivan a lot on this podcast, but credit where it's due. Man's wearing a robe that is 0.8 on the Randy Savage scale, and he's oh, not even got a match. Look, at, look, here comes Lex Luger. I had no idea he was coming out, Mr. Bischoff. In pinstripe business trousers. Or they sweatpants. I'm not sure. Luger oh, is face-to-face Sting. All the other baby faces are treating Luger's presence with kid gloves. And I think we are witnessing the birth of one of my favourite WCW storylines. Tween Alex Luger. Mm. Heel to everyone except Sting. Like the Pied Piper, he is leading Sting away. And please note, that when Vince Russo bleats on and on about shades of grey and proper storytelling, note how he didn't do this. Yeah. He did all the shit versions of this. It's not his philosophy that's an issue. It's the fact that he's shit. Oh, it's chaos. What we've got. Oh, we've got the giant. And uh, this is going to be the big announcement, I think. Giant Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan, Gene Oakland, all short men. Oh, here we go. What's this going to be about? I think this is going to explain the title. It's a 
Jimmy Hart <laughs> has a contract. Just made a dig about his straight-to-video movies. Yep. So... I think he's blaming uh, Hulk Hogan's extracurricular activities and not being on the show all the time as to why he switched, which actually makes a world of sense. Here we go. We're coming to the reveal. Stipulation on the contract. It says... It says that if Hogan got disqualified, he would lose the title, and he got disqualified, didn't he? So the Giant is actually the WCW Heavyweight Champion of the World. Yeah, the official result was... And the genius part of it is because Hart hadn't turned on him just yet, that would be seconds later, um, him attacking the referee, Hart, was a disqualification against Hogan. Yep. We've sent the title over to... uh... This is actual storytelling. Oh, they've got their attorney. This will be the first of many listless actors who shows up as an attorney, because this would happen a lot during the NWO era. Mm. Oh, there's a but. The Giant is not the world champion. (laughs) Giant's facial's there. He's been in this game a matter of weeks. We have a statement. So we're reiterating the stipulation. Because of the dubious nature of the disqualification. The title is held up. Ah, so the title is held up. It's vacant. And the winner of the World War Three pay-per-view will be the uh, the new champion. That's That's one way to really make sure all eyes will be on this new concept. I'll give them that. Obviously, yeah. we know in retrospect, it just didn't work as a match, but the setup for it, you can't fault them. And if you think about it, I guess the Giant really is world champion here. Obviously, they've just stripped him, but from Halloween Havoc until this episode, he was the champ. He's, uh, he's not happy. He should eat someone. He mm. looks like he could. Good, good luck trying to get... Who's who's going to get the title belt away from him? I love the way Kevin Sullivan gets his name absolutely spot on, Lambros, and then has to get it wrong and say whatever you're calling yourself. That was the worst trash talk I've heard in some time. 
Yeah. Dress up as get, an old lady again, mate. It's better for getting, getting your name right. What an insult, getting your name right. Kevin <laughs> Sullivan's having a hissy fit. It's nothing like a twisted genius hissy fit, I'm telling you now. Yeah, I miss those. But he did you, hand the belt over. You, you should come down to Worthing. It's real in Worthing. I would like to. So at some stage, I'll do some South Coast wrestling. I hear our friends having a big show on October 5th or 6th. Who's that? Stu. Oh, Stu's retirement show, yes. Just want to check to make sure he's still listening to our show. Stu, if you confirm that you are hearing this, I'll come down and watch your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, October 5th, October 6th, it's a Saturday night in um, Hastings. It's yeah. his retirement show. I love Hastings. I really should get down for some wrestling. That's a big announcement, and do you know yeah. what? I, ca- I can't think of a single aspect of this show that was completely negative. We got oh, we got yeah. some enjoyment out of even Sullivan versus Renegade. Definitely. Even, even if it was part historic and part like perverse entertainment. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 streak's over. That's that's a good episode. That's a pass for me. Yeah. But they're really, they're really doing the hard stuff. I think we're still a few weeks away from World War Three, but they're really selling the concept. You've got to admire that. They're really trying to make this a thing. We Ooh. just know in retrospect that it didn't work. Next week, it's Meng v. Savage. Well, there you go. That's another the match ret- it feels like we've already had. The return of Eddie Guerrero against Johnny B. Bad for the world television title. And... S- Sting v. Dean Malenko. Oh. So you fancy doing the next one tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Ah. I tell you, Sting and Malenko is interesting. We won't let that one linger for too long. Obviously, we've got a few other projects coming up for you guys soon, but we will do our absolute utmost to get the next watch along out whenever we can, aside from those other things. But, yeah, it's looking good again. I did say I was hoping it will be... Darkest Before the Dawn with that abysmal Yeti episode. Yeti! So hopefully we're on a, on a nice cruise control with some good storylines. The storytelling is pretty good if you ask me. Uh, and we're going to we're gonna roll this all the way up to a, a certain May 27th, 1996 when Mr. Hall walks through the crowd. Yeah. Um... Just to give you the timing of that Sting Flare match, it was 12 minutes 21, which is one of the longest. That's got to be the longest so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently, and according to the Observer, um, Bischoff was was mad with Lex Luger because uh, he missed his cue by an absolute mile. Um, but this was um, this was some strong nitros going up against some weak pre-taped roars because they taped four weeks. I don't know what the reason was, but they taped four weeks of raw all from um, from uh, Canada. Um, and we had our main event for this this one in um, on Raw was Isaac Yankum and Jerry Lawler v Bret Hart and Hakushi. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm, was... I'm kind of intrigued about Hart and Hakushi teaming up. Didn't they have like a yeah. five-minute feud? They did. They did indeed. They um they main evented um 
Royal Albert Hall in 95 that I went to see, mm. I remember. But yeah, so um so definitely we're back on we're back on the pass the passes, aren't we? That was a definitely. very much a positive a positive one. So yeah, great stuff. Well, um that is all we've got time for. We are we are lining up some very good guests. We are just uh yeah, we got to get the uh the uh, contracts and the backstage riders uh, sorted out for them, obviously. Cross um, the T's, dot the I's. We don't want to say anything until it's done, you know. No, yeah, no. We're no, excited. Yeah, no, no blue M and M's, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we um, we will be back very soon. So thank you ever so much for uh, listening to us. If you've enjoyed it, please tell a friend. If you haven't, then keep it to yourself. Um, on behalf of my colleague Liam Hap, this is the Twisted Genius saying thanks for listening, and I'll see you ringside.